Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Join Cycling for the UAE Tour Stage 4, a big sprint stage, our second sprint in the first four stages from Dubai Police Officers Club to Dubai <laughs> Harbour. It's Pancake Flat. They go south, southeast up to Al Qudra Cycle Track and then back up into the city. This stage doesn't have really crosswinds because it's so much in the city, protected by infrastructure and not out in the desert on the big highways exposed to the wind. And so was this? what was the stage, Benji, where Philipson walked his bike? When he got off his bike in the headwind. I actually don't know which stage that was. It was a pretty similar stage because we also had the big highway. Well, then again, every single one of these stages has the big highways, but there were excessively big highways on this <laughs> stage with like yeah. seven lanes. I was like, mate, the amount of cars that I would expect to ride in this area, I don't think that fills this entire highway. But that's just my humble just opinion. Just one more lane, bro, please. <laughs> it felt like that. It felt like that. But, but I don't know if that's the same exact stage or not, but... To be honest, when it comes to the stage, I wasn't expecting Echelon, so I put my alarm with about 15k to go, unless someone started shouting in the messages, crashed by someone, or something happened. So I didn't get those messages. I only know that there was a breakaway early on in the stage, and that breakaway included once again Mark Stewart, who took the points, then dropped back to the peloton, and left Han van Hoeken, who was the other rider in the breakaway, solo up there. So Han van Hoeken was the solo adventurer from that point onwards and eventually got called by the peloton who then started riding at an excessively slow tempo compared to usual to the <laughs> yeah. point that i felt like the stage was going to end an hour earlier but it clearly didn't so <laughs> it came to the point that we had a we had a run in towards a sprint and i gotta be honest outside of the breakaway i don't think anything of note happened before the last three kilometers just the, the goat from Dundee, Stuart, yeah, plugging away. That's really yeah. the highlight of this stage before that because <laughs> he's, he's been in the break every single day uh, successfully, although I'm not sure many other teams had the appetite to even go in, in the break. But you can tell, like, when I saw them catching Van Hoeke early and I saw the average speed today was 43 already, 42.5 instead of 47 of the other stages, I was like, they're going to go even slower because there's no breakaway. Why would you push? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Pretty slow stage today. Uh, I would say if, if you weren't on the front, you were detraining, frankly. Like maybe you got to do some, do an extra workout. Uh, Question. As well. Would you say that the tempo that the peloton was doing during the stage before the last 25 kilometers, that you would be able to follow the, the peloton in this stage? Yes. I think my issue would be the not being used to riding in group. I can't do the, wouldn't be able to do the neutral start. Maybe in the Middle yeah. East I could, but not in Europe. That's the thing. People are like, oh, you just start. No, neutral start, you get dropped. Even <laughs> if you're like a decent, you get dropped. Like, they're yeah. not going slow in neutral start. Uh, but like when they're on the highway, if you just put me right at the back <laughs> and, they, and have to do 100 watts, surely, surely. And then when they actually start going far, I mean, maybe we're overestimating, but. I'm not like, sure I could, but I think the most important fallacy for me would be the actual like group positioning not being scared in like a large bunch of riders not knowing what's ahead of people because i i always find oh. it scary that if you're like in 50th position you got to trust everybody around you as well yeah like first corner when they go into town i get dropped and that's see you later so um <laughs> i'm talking literally on the highway in a straight line i could yeah. just 
standing at 100 watts, but um, <laughs> even even out of the corners when they're going easy, they, everyone ki- they, they're going to take it faster than you. They're going to kick harder than you. You lose the wheel. See you later, amateur loser, Lantern Rouge. <laughs> um, <laughs> to answer your question, so, uh, but yeah, the <laughs> it was that sort of stage. Uh, and and speaking of like adapting, this is what I always think, right? We, this is part of the join the join read. If you send your riders to UAE, I really want to know from one of the, the exercise or the, the mm-hmm. trainers, you send your riders to UAE tour and say you send your rider instead to do to Mallorca, to Alicante, to Altitude, in Tenerife, to prepare for, say, Paris-Nice uh, coming up or Tirreno coming up. How do you manage for your GC riders I'm talking about, yeah. like Jay Vine, how do you manage that deload during the stages because like jokes about us aside like they are de- they are doing zone one for four yeah. hours and then even in the sprint the gc guys are not doing too much like how do they manage that in their program when they have to do like a hard european style race which could have like you know hard stages in two three in two weeks that's just it's just interesting to me and it certainly factors into riders selecting whether or not to do this race some riders can manage it well like yates and they come back to europe and they're still good in the hard stages uh it's just that's interesting to me but speaking of adaptation joint cycling is the best adaptive training plan or platform on the market i know that firsthand i had a little bingle on saturday touchdown not too bad i don't need all your sympathies that's fine uh but thanks for all your well wishes flowers etc but the perfect thing about join was I just put in mid plan. I'm in my classics plan for our Flandrian challenge in about well, it's 20 days. I just checked on the app then. It's 20 days till the uh, go day. Just put in. Just had a crash or injured. I need three days recovery. Bang. The plan puts it in there and then adapts the plan going forward for the next 20 days to get me to the best level uh, that I can be in, noting those circumstances and that reduced availability. Uh, for uh, our big dance in the middle of March. And that's why just it does it automatically. Don't have to call anyone, email anybody, wait for anyone to be available. Does it automatically. You can still, like I did today, 45 minutes, very easy on the trainer uh, to keep me going and just to keep my calories in check. And that's why this is now the second joint cycling plan I've used, I used the recovery or get back to fitness plan is how I used it in January when I was back in Australia. First plan I'd completed in like five years and now my second plan is going really, really well. So I'd encourage you to go check it out. Sorry, Ben, cut in. How have your crashes impacted your, your training? As in, have one, you had to switch crash. back to the recovery? Not plural. <laughs> one. You looked like you had multiple crashes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, it was a continuum because you hit the ground and then I slid for quite a way. Uh, <laughs> so I guess maybe in that sense I did. Um, but yeah, it's it adapts to that. Uh, I guess there's also a, a readiness score you can put in. So that just got rolled out, that new feature. Uh, if you have something like a, a Whoop or a, um, a smartwatch that tells you your HRV, 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 uh, or your readiness scores or something like that, you can put it into whoop, uh, into uh, join cycling. They rolled that out last week. And so even if I say I wasn't, say I come back 
and I'm like, I'm still a bit sore. I can put that in and then the plan will adjust based on that as well uh, within the app automatically. So I encourage you all to check it out. Free 30-day trial for Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast listeners. It's good to see so many of you have signed up and are enjoying using the training plan on Join. Uh, so if you haven't already, go and check it out. But okay, that's a lot on training plans, Benji. Let's talk about this sprint where <laughs> nothing happened except it's the same, well, until 5Ks to go. Don't you think all the sprint teams are trying to play it smart and they're trying to come up really, really late, like Bora, and they got burned today? I somewhat agree, as in we've seen teams adapt to that same strategy. We've seen Alpecin do it a few times in the Tour de France last year as well, as in they also kept riders too late because they don't want to be at the front with with four or five Ks to go, even with three Ks to go, they don't want to be at the front yet. They want to keep their four or five riders to move up whenever they need to in like the last 1.5-ish kilometers to then hit the front. And with Bora, that was even later. But today, Bora indeed got burned because if you are with three kilometers to go in that second or third level of the peloton, that second or third part of the peloton, not at the back, not in the last half or anything, but like between... 15% and 45% of the peloton. So many people are fighting for that position to then come over in waves by the end that it ends up leading to a squeeze and that same concertina effect we mentioned in the past already then causes a crash. And this time around it was with, I swear it was like just behind the 3K banner. <laughs> so whoever was involved got lucky because half of the Bora train was gone. I swear I only saw one Bora rider after this point I don't even know which Bora rider, but I don't think it was Wellsford. I think Von Poppel was hindering in that as well. So Bora's basically out of the question from this point onwards. And some GC riders are involved as well. I think Vine was there, but also Walter. He's lost quite a bit of time, but... But sorry, who as well? Van Wilder was caught behind yeah. as well. So those are multiple GC riders, but then again, I don't think they actually hit the ground. I think they were just hindered by the crash yeah. happening around them or in front of them. So... They will have the, the three kilometer rule count so they won't lose time in GC on paper. So, unless someone put the three kilometer banner wrong. <laughs> no, they all got the same time. Yeah, it should be fine then. So, we're looking at a sprint coming up. And with Bora gone, I felt like I was kind of looking for which team was going to pick it up. And then Alpeson hit the front. And Alpeson hit the front with like, was it six riders or something? My boy Henry Ulich in third position of the train at some point. And I was like, man's going to hit the front with like 2K to go. Was at the front then? Just a bit of an offset, fun story on the side. This has been a guy that's basically been a friend of me for like a few years now. And to be able to see this guy go from not being in an Alpecin-like team to being in the Alpecin Dev team, to them being in the in the World Tour team of Alpecin now at his first World Tour race. I'm just so happy to see him, yeah, grow up, if that makes sense. But it's nice to see uh, him in, in the head of the action with 3K to go in a in a race like UAE Tour, and he did his, his work in the Alpecin train, and that Alpecin train was actually the most prominent team in that, because I swear, yeah. Koi was kind of being led by one Yumbo rider a bit in the distance. He doesn't have the best lead out here, we've mentioned it before, so it's all about trying to get him in a somewhat comfortable position. Melir, same thing with Bert von Lerberger. I think Jakobsen also had only one rider that was trying to get him into a position, so it was all about... Alpecin leading the charge and all the other teams trying to get their sprinter in the right position. And I feel like the Klein is very good at jumping from wheel to wheel, you know? 
and you called him a, a bit of a draft merchant as a joke the other time, but he's a great draft merchant, but he also has the speed in the end, you know? Yeah, he... It's a skill to find the right wheel is and to launch at the right time and to not be boxed in. In terms of getting consistent results, that's more important than having a, a 50 or 100 watt extra peak. Yeah. Like, okay, for actually winning the big, big race, maybe you, that's where that difference comes in, but for actually consistent results, like look at Gronovegan and Jakobsen. He, he beating them both in both sprints. I'd be... I, maybe I don't know the data correctly, but I'd be surprised if he had a higher five-second peak than them. But his positioning, timing, everything's been better. And yep. uh, I'm not sure if Zylard was here. Maybe Zylard's just the GOAT leader. Flumers and Zylard are just the GOATs. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, decline was very, very good. I was... First, I saw Koi being put sort of trying to find Merlier's wheel. And I thought, that's yeah. risky because if he jumps at the right time, you're not going to come out of his wheel. Uh, and then Merlier was thinking of jumping, he said, after the end. Chimalai screams up the right. I thought, is that Gaviria? But it was Chimalai did a really hard lead out on the right. No Gaviria on his wheel. Cavs detached from Siritsa, don't know where he is. It's kind of a free-for-all, and we're waiting for Groves to jump. And like Groves, if you look at his record in the big bunch sprints, it's not good. Uh, yeah. He's not as on the level of the sort of Merlier... Koi decline. He's not like those guys in the big, big bunch sprints. And Koi jumps early to the left hand open side. And I think if he'd had, if he was tacking onto someone, it would have been fine. But it was just too early. I don't know, 200 to go. There was a wind. Yep. You could see from the flags from their left shoulder to their right shoulder. And he went to the left barrier. And it's right to go to the barrier. But because he went to the left barrier, Merlier is getting a decent draft on his pocket just behind him on the right-hand side. So, yeah, he basically Merlier jumps right there into that pocket. Decline was following Koi up, and Merlier does what I think Philipson did to Bini or somebody in the tour last year. Yep. Just Merlier just swings, and just Decline has to like stop pedaling, or he's going to get chopped in the barriers by Merlier. Uh, he has to decline for, pedaling. Yeah, he declined. He declined that option. Uh, and like, like, listen, Merlier is probably faster anyway, but yeah. uh, he takes that right. wheel from him, gets in the slipstream, comes out, and there can only be one winner from that point on. Tim Merlier wins his second sprint. Very, very impressive. Good timing. He's the fastest here. And uh, declines second. Koi Peters on his run, and he finishes third. And interesting who comes. The rest of the top 10 is really interesting to me. Already got one Pro Conti guy in there, decline. Fourth. Previous Pro Conti guy, Anil Kofsky, uh, on Kofidis. Then you got Mareshko, fifth. They've beaten Jakobsen, sixth. Vanderpaar improves his tenth of the other day to seventh. The Lotto Destiny Neo Pro. I think he's a Neo Pro. Yep. Bauhaus, eighth. Gaviria, ninth. Oded Kogut, another Pro Conti rider, tenth. The Israeli uh, young sprinter. He's quite good. He was yep. good in Lavanir last year and in other races. And that they're beating Bennett, Milano, Groenewegen. Groves, Cavendish, beating all those guys who are getting paid seven figures. So um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's sort of certainly interesting. And yeah, you're right. Koi launched early, did a bit of a, a mini Gaviria, I would say. It's not a real Gaviria because Gaviria would do it at 250, 275 to 400 meters to go. But um, the thing also with Koi is that he indeed makes that decision to go to the left. And it's weird, right? Because 
if you're not experienced in sprints and so forth, your head would be like always going to the left to kind of hide from the wind behind the barriers or something. But like you said, if you then go to the right side, you would limit the ability of the riders behind you to come past you because they'd be having to come past you in the wind. And yes, you'd be sprinting in the wind as well, but it's kind of like uh, you have to weigh out the options, you know? And I'm not sure going to the left side would have been the, the right decision here because it indeed gave Melier the hiding he needed to come past. And that's also the hiding that then adds to the client also being able to pass Olaf Goy because he's also in the draft of those two riders then to come into second position. And you're right, first of all, Melier once again, king on top. He's been sprinting so well this year. I think he's won four sprints this year already, two at the UAE Tour. And they've been impressive. And it's not the, the fact that he's winning that makes it impressive. To me, it feels like it's his intuition and his decision-making in the sprint itself. As in, there's been these moments where I was like, at this moment, Malir's in a position where he needs to make a decision to stay where he is and risk being boxed in or launch or follow a certain rider. And every single time, I feel like he makes this the right decision. And maybe there's a tiny bit of luck involved, but I think it's mostly intuition and kind of experience of being in these sprints, knowing what could happen, and then being able to respond in the right way to those moments. And right here, I feel like he didn't launch directly. And Gordon launches directly from him, and he follows Olaf Goy from that point onwards. And I feel he like the, the decision... What, sorry? Malia baited him. He yeah. sprinted into uh, Dilia or Barastet's wheel on Alperson, and then I think Koi thought he was going to use that momentum to launch. And then Koi's so like, too. I'm committed. I've already started. And, he, and then Malia jumps. He baited him. Um, and that's also, what makes it most impressive for me, you know, like yeah. that. Because with Philipson, we always say, we know he has the speed. We know a lot of sprinters have the speed. And yes, it matters that a Philipson is being put in a, a good position without spending as much energy as others because Alperson gets him into that position. The thing with Philipson is that he's so good at finding gaps that others don't and knowing when to respond in certain ways at certain moments in the sprints. So like that's been one of the highlights for Philipson as well. And to see that in Merlier, something that I swear, two years ago, three years ago, I felt like Merlier had more issues being boxed in, not making the right decisions at certain moments. And I think that that's been an improvement there in the same way that we've seen Koi improve a little when it comes to assertiveness in the last two years in sprints. And it's, it's nice to see the, the progress of all these sprinters, but we got to have the conversation now. How close do we see that Merlier after all these victories this year? to a 2023 Jasper Philipson because we haven't seen Jasper Philipson yet. He starts in the weekend at Omlop and they've got sprints coming up. Tireno, they're riding together against each other, of course. Classic Brugge de Pane. Schelde is going to be a good one. And uh, can do able again if it is a sprint, which is still a big if. But I'm you know, so curious to see that. Nice finish, brother. Tell you that for free right now. <laughs> I think so too. That's why I'm making it a big <laughs> if. <laughs> but... I'm they looking forward to seeing them sprint against each other because I feel like Merlier is coming for the king right now. And so far, he ain't missing. Yeah, but he can't go to the tour. So I don't know if he's doing the Giro. So I think, I think they were looking at getting him one Grand Tour. Okay. He needs to ride a Grand Tour. It's a shame do, for him not to ride Giro. one. He should do the Giro. Yeah. He's got flat sprints. And I don't know what. Who, who, is Van Wilder doing GC or something? 
Alaphilippe and Asgren tootling around, getting their contracts extended uh, or renewed or offers. So I think he's just the Giro. Ah, it is interesting how he played these two sprints. And yep. in terms of that progression, like, is he, because he's 30 or something, you think, oh, is he still learning positioning? Uh, or he can't still be learning position. Maybe he is. Because he started late, eh? Yeah. Relatively. He was doing commesses, right? And Alfred picks up. I would, I would also imagine. <laughs> Don't know what that is. But, <laughs> uh, get a mess and just ignore the cycle cross. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not a bunch sprint in the UAE, is it? <laughs> anyway. There's sometimes similar amount of sand. He, he won both exactly the same way. There's like the ball of the, the triangle of the lead out. The road is yeah. so wide. There's still space left. He's position, positioned himself on the open side of that ball. Bert's positioned him actually quite well both times. Bert van Leeberg has positioned him on the open side of that ball, getting half draft. So you've got to be good. That's the thing. It's like not everyone can do this because half the guys, if you position yourself in half draft on the open side like that with the wind coming from your left shoulder, you're cooked and you can't sprint. Or your sprint will be rubbish. And you look at, look at Groves. When he opened up, he went backwards. Uh, and so, and then he's basically waiting for someone to jump. And stage yep. one, it was the Colombians. Stage, this stage four, it was Coy. And then as soon as he sees someone going to give him the lead up, bang, he's good enough to get in the wheel and aggressive enough in the, on the open side. Now, in Europe, it's difficult. There's more corners. The road is narrower. Uh, rise more tide coming into the finish perhaps it's not possible but uh, he's done it perfectly both times and it's been very similar and on one end you'd say Bert van Lederberger bringing him in like P10 from which he moves himself up from that point onwards that's in the eyes of someone that is analyzing sprint not ideal but the combination is working because Merlier yeah. does have that that insight of moving up in the right moment and then I then I look at so many other sprinters right now in that same peloton, and I'm thinking, Jakobsen joined DSM. Jakobsen himself is not great at positioning. DSM is not great at positioning a sprinter, at least in the last one and a half years. And then you see that Jakobsen is nowhere in, in the run into the sprint and has to like move up himself as well, but he doesn't do that as elegantly as a, as a Merlier does. And then he ends up finishing fifth, fourth, those positions because he starts from an uncompetitive position and then when i think about i don't know it's nowhere i forgot he was at this race <laughs> but yeah you're right grunewagen is nowhere and the thing with grunewagen i always feel like i have the similar opinion on him we we analyzed this at least in the in the tour last year where it was very obvious during that tour de france that he struggled with the Alpeson leadouts, as in the Alpeson leadouts were so fierce that he arrived at the actual sprint and he was basically out of energy to sprint. And then when the stage had an easier run into the sprint, which I think was the Limoges stage, the, the Alpeson leadout wasn't in full force there. And right there in that stage, you notice that they had it, he had it easier to be in the right position and actually had a good finish. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And I feel like when it comes to, to these UA Tour sprints, they are pretty damn hectic, but I also kind of expected him to be there, you know? Because this is not Tour de France level. Uh, it can't, it's as close as it gets, but I don't feel like it's as fierce as the Alps and Lidos at the Tour de France. No, no. It's much more like linear. They stay at the front and then they don't have... They do have Ricard here, but there's no Vanderpool with like an explosion with yeah. Phillips. Uh, to your point, original question is, you know, Merlier versus Phillips. And I think Merlier's top end is faster. I think it is faster than Phillips. Um, but? But that's not... Sprinting is not all about that, as we've yep. just discussed. It's about positioning and timing and gaps. Uh, and Phillips is still quick, so... But, but uh, in a straight line, if, if you had to put me on the spot, straight line, 10 seconds, who's quicker over 100 meters? I would say Merlier. 10 seconds? Ooh. Maybe. I think 10 seconds After a I hard might day. Even... Like if Kerner in a bunch sprint of 30 guys, yeah. Philipson's fucking lethal. Like, you look at him in Roubaix, he came second. So they're different riders. I feel like Philipson has a slightly higher acceleration in my head. So that's why I'm thinking 10 seconds, eh, 15 seconds is a long sprint, a hell of a long sprint. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm leaning very much Malir. And it's like, I'm looking at both of these riders and looking at Tireno and so if Malir actually outsprints Philipson straight on multiple times in Tireno, will people forget about that when judging the sprinter awards in November, October, by the end of the year, just because he wasn't at the Tour de France, because that's a major we, hit not being able forget. to ride it. What, sorry? <laughs> we won't forget. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Well, tomorrow's stage from Alaka to Um Al Klein, 183Ks. There is a 7K, 2% climb at the start of the stage. Maybe we'll see a break form that's more than just Stuart. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> this is the finish that Groenewegen actually won last year. In UAE. So if he's going to bounce back uh, for him, you would hope it would be tomorrow. Last year, he went... But the thing is, like, he went fifth the day before in Dubai and then one and then third the next day. So maybe he's just got to get it right. I don't know. Maybe he just got unlucky. But uh, 21st and 17th in the two sprints. At what point... Uh, I'll say that question. Who do you like tomorrow, Benji? Hmm, I think Melier in every sprint here is who I like for these sprints. But I'm I'm curious about echelons because this this is a parkour that takes us like in my opinion, I'm looking at a map and it's sand colored, so I'm guessing there's a desert there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it starts going through through like the the hill slash mountains from the right side to the left side of the country, and it goes straight through a sandy place. So I'm guessing there's options for echelons. In that behavior, depending on... Because they also twist when it comes to angle a lot. As in, they go north, east, south, west. They go west from the start. Sorry, I had to, had, to, had to figure out what direction it was. They go west from the start, then go southwest a tiny bit. And then in the last like half of the race, they, they decide to turn back before turning a U-turning back towards the actual finish line. So I feel like there is options for echelons in this stage. I think so, if the wind is right. Uh, in terms of technicality, uh, there really is none. The last turn is at 5Ks to go, last right-hand turn, and then it's like 
it's a straight line with four roundabouts that I presume they'll be able to blast through uh, to the north of the the country in Umal Kuwain. So it's going to be a high-speed sprint and it's not technical. So maybe it's good for Gronovacan. Uh, maybe there's space for him to get moved up. But yeah, at what point do they switch Ewan and him at the, at the tour? Well, I don't think Ewan would be doing much better. So I think they're... You don't? No, I don't. I think Ewan would be fall, fall out of position at the UA Tour. Probably right. Probably right. It's interesting, though. No, <laughs> is doing Paranese. It'd be, it would be interesting if, if Ewan did Tirano and Groenewegen did Paranese and like Ewan won a stage and was good in a couple of other and Groenewegen continued this, then at what point do you change it around? Um, but at then what Groen point is it too late to change Gro it? Due to preparation. Probably probably already too late, frankly, because they've already told them what they're doing. And Gronovegan was decent in the tour last year. He had uh, four top fives and five top tens, which was actually a lot of points. So he was pretty good in the tour last year. Um, so maybe he'll just, he just needs uh, some more racing fitness, more fitness in the legs. I don't know. Uh who I'm picking tomorrow, I'm going to go with Arva Decline tomorrow because Merlier chopped him today and he would have won <laughs> out of Coy's wheel. So I'm going to go with Arva Decline. Uh, I picked a Dutch rider for today and yeah, didn't get it done. Uh, any other news, but, Benji, around the traps? Wait, wait, wait. Who does the drafting merchant draft when there's no one to draft ahead of him? That's the real question. Well, like, yeah, does he hit the wind and just evaporate? <laughs> he just like in the Avengers, he just it's a theory. It's as I've not seen it disproved yet. I've never seen Arva decline in the wind, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Like Schrodinger's cat, <laughs> how can he win the race if Arva decline cannot be in the wind? Um, <laughs> there has to be zero wind speed. Yeah, yeah, it has to be something. Maybe the rider ahead of him wins, but gets relegated, so then he wins. But he got to draft them all the way to the finish. Yeah, and. If there's no wind speed, then there's still like wind resistance because yeah, you're moving. So monster Taylor. <laughs> I don't know, oh, uh, but he's my picture tomorrow. He's look good. Uh, decline. So maybe he gets it done for his biggest win so far. Uh, in other news, uh, the Alaphilippe saga. Not not too much from the actual main protagonists, all being Marion Roos, Julian Alaphilippe, and Patrick Lefebvre. Uh, the French. Uh, head of their riders union gave an interview to Le Keep, basically saying in any other industry this would constitute employee harassment and you'd be yep. able to file a complaint. Hard to disagree, I would say, uh, with that. And then uh, a bit in the gossip columns, but I'll mention it anyway. Um, Philip Gilbert's partner just had a very strange response to Marion Roos. Uh, what I thought Marion, Marion Roos' statement was pretty like, middle of the road i thought which was like can you just leave us alone um, yeah and she basically had a massive go at marion Roos about criticizing writers on tv and then not being able to cop it um which is completely different by the way um <laughs> to have your employer criticizing you and Roos analyzing mm, writer's mate, performance the exact words translated you spend your life talking badly about people behind your mic hidden in your studio. It's like she's like a keyboard warrior. Marion Roos <laughs> is like the most public-facing person. She's on stage at the Tour de France presentation in front of a thousand people in the audience. 
and all the media in France. She's like after Christian Prudhomme, maybe ahead of him, the most like public facing person <laughs> on national TV. We're the keyboard warriors. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> so yeah, that was and I was like, you want to criticize performance? Phil Gilbert took probably seven figures or whatever from Lotto Destiny, he got him relegated yeah. with his performances when he was under contract with them. Um, and also, was, didn't he like promote another bike brand while he was like at the team as well? Just so like, I think so. Let's not play that game. Let's not play that game because everyone has bad periods. Uh, I will say, she deleted the Instagram reaction. Oh, really? Very swiftly. Because I'm guessing that she realized it was not the right maybe, way to. Maybe uh, Gilbert was like, "Can you not?" <laughs> Potentially, but hey, it's uh, it's another uh, file on on the already uh, dramatic discussion. I would say, I think uh, I saw some pictures on. I think it was lots the news in Belgium or something that at the actual uh, recon of Omloop or something this morning, Philippe and Mario Ruiz, they were very nicely welcomed by the staff of Quickstep there. So I think there's like no bad blood between actual staff. Like, no, I don't uh, think Wilfried Wilfried Peters Peters, and stuff. I don't think he has beef with Marion Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> like, he probably, he probably, he's probably like, oh, I, holy shit, I have to drive the car and direct these guys for opening weekend in, in 36 hours. Mate, some people were expecting that, like cat meme where Wilfred Peters is, is the person like, Trying to roast the cat, and then and the cat is like Mario sitting at the table. <laughs> Not happening. Bizarre. Um, anyway, anyway, what, is, let's what do you actually? What do oh. you actually expect of Alaphilippe's level? Because I was doing this mental maths yesterday. Because then I was thinking, yeah. how much? Because I'm a spiteful person. So like, if I was him, how bad could I be and still get a good contract next year? Like, like what is he? What's he's got to do to still get two million out of total? We also got to add something that we haven't mentioned yet that was also an update after what we said on the podcast yesterday, where the favor spoke to Hutnisblad, if I recall correctly, where he said the words that were said in Humor, the magazine that said it, were actually about 2022. So basically, this is indirectly linked to me. As in, remember when I was in that Wolfpack documentary? in November 2022 in Dichem in Brussels that was recorded and apparently that same day was the day that Lefebvre took Alaphilippe aside and said the words that he re-reset in that Humo magazine along the lines of you're drinking too much blah 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 so yeah, he didn't apologize to Roos wait wait I agree he also added that since 2022 November Alaphilippe hasn't touched a single drop of alcohol. I don't know why it, it's then... How would he know that? <laughs> Allegedly didn't touch a single drop of alcohol. Why that was then reset again in that Humo article. Why he, he, he must have reset it in that interview then for it to come up in the article. But this doesn't excuse the Mario Rus part, nor the fact that he keeps on batting on about the, the Alaphilippe thing. If it's already fixed... In his own words. Exactly. If he's been an exemplary teammate. He hasn't for, stopped training, it said. For over a year, then. <laughs> this is 14 months. He's been exemplary. Why would you bring it up? And, like you said yesterday, and we've brought it up a few times already, the year that it's about is 2022. Strade crashed. 
LBL crashed. Brabant Sapel got hit by his own team car. Came back one in the Tour de Wallonie uh, in front of Aramburu, which I'm still yeah, really he, sad he about. him on the half. And then had COVID. And then came back for the Vuelta. Apparently was pretty good in form going but into he, the not selection of the Tour de France. I'm pretty sure Lefebvre thinks he, he could have continued after that crash. Well, Maybe he, sl he slid out in the Vuelta? Yeah. On that random corner? I reckon Lefebvre thinks... He just packed it in so he could get ready for Worlds. Yeah, but all, all this together, he was injured 75% of the year. What the fuck are you expecting from a rider that's injured yeah. 75 And it, if it's then fixed since November 2022, then all we're talking about is 2022. And also, like, he's endless prayers that run in where Gegenhardt and Sivakov crashed on stage nine of Walter. Alaphilippe was unbelievable for Remco. Like, he's a good teammate. Um, at least from what I can see. But yeah, my point was. Yeah, what what do you expect from him? He was pretty good in TDU. Some say he won that stage on Mulunga, depending yeah. on where you draw the finish line. Uh, <laughs> do <laughs> that's a stretch. <laughs> Some say the Mulunga denialists uh, may believe that athlete won that. Uh, but he, like, is he really going to get dropped in the hills in Kerner? Would you be surprised if he was in Group 1 with Wellens, Morich, Vismas? I would not be surprised to the point that Sporta has this kind of fantasy, fantasy game that I always make like a team for and then one day later I forget I have that team. Today I haven't forgotten yet because I added a 6 million euro Alaphilippe in my selection this time. Because Where there is, is a chance... Rank? Like, is that expensive? It's 1 million less than Merlir and it's about... No, for like, the races are the main classics, but also Brennenkoksheid in Okere Kurse. Oh, come the fuck we've got, we've got the big deal here. <laughs> they do that for those yeah. races, all included. <laughs> but I shouldn't bad basically, mouth going to one of them. <laughs> the minimum is 2 million. So he's 6 million, and we're talking about Van der Poel is 12 million, roughly. And Van Aert. They're the same price. Yeah. I guess Van Aert does more of them, right? So he's doing opening weekend. I need to look into this scoring system. Obviously, I crush fellow games. Can't be stopped. Um, so I selected Alaphilippe. So I have some okay. hope that he might do something. I do too. Like, why would he just get a straight drop? Maybe he's washed. I don't know. But may, If it's uh, raining? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer rider. But if it's not raining, it really looks cold and wet this weekend. Uh, but yeah, I think... I can't see him winning flesh and the opening stage of the Tour de France, right? In Italy. He's, I can't see that coming back. No. First, and he's not going to the Tour, so that would be difficult to win if you're not on the start <laughs> list, as I always say. Um, but if he wins a Dauphiné stage or a Swiss stage, comes fifth in flesh, isn't that good enough for the, a team to still give him the bag? I think so. Based think on so. Sagan. Full saying. I think so. Uh, anyway, our last thing was the Sturvin interview. I'm not sure if you read it this morning, Benji, just speaking of the Classics Week. We're, we're in the Classics Week. It's about the Classics this Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's in, it was by our colleague Bram van der Gabella. Yes. I know he tweeted it. He does good, he actually does exclusive interviews and content. Like he did the yeah. Lotto bike stuff. Anyway, he did, it's in uh, HLN, I believe. You yes. can go check that out. Uh, basically, say, Sturvin was talking about he got 
he said he got read the riot act at the end of 23 in america by seven people at a round table for his level in the previous year or two are you surprised that that happened do you think it should have happened like i'm actually i'm not surprised it did happen i'm not surprised it happened but i also think it's not solely steven's fault as in, I also think the team management is partially responsible for the tactics that they employ, and some of the tactics just were weird with the riders they had. If you have Peterson and you have Steven, you tend to use them different than the way they did in certain races. And for example, if it's about the last two years, then we're also including Hint Wevelheim, where he was in the top four, but he was riding in the group with Binion with Christophe Laporte, where he definitely wasn't going to win the sprint with a group with Peterson behind. That kind of situation, I don't blame him solely for that. That's a team car's fault that Steven keeps riding with Binion and Christophe Laporte, that he doesn't know that he's going to get beat there. It can be himself overestimating himself a bit, but also the fact that it's not clear that Peterson is the clear, the clear leader in that situation. I feel like that's the kind of thing I'm looking at. Top 10 at Paris-Roubaix in 2022, top 10 at Brugge de Pone. Top 10 at Roubaix is a good result, seventh in my opinion. but. Then I look at, he, he just didn't write as many classics as I expected them to. Uh, 10 fed envelope, 15 that Kurt, those are, those are decent results, but why is Trek expecting this man to win yeah, every bloody exactly. classic? This he is, won a fluke San Remo. This no. is who he is. He's Sterling. the rider. He can only win riding away from a group in the last 10 kilometers through group dynamics. And that's a fun, the fucking great way to win. That's how you won Kuhne. That's how I won Milano Sanremo. A great Palmares. Or against but a it's... very bad sprinter like Lampard in Omlope in 2020. He won a sprint at you. Possibly. So he could beat Kung maybe in it, but like his yeah. sprint is not that good. Like compared to the door or Beanie <laughs> or the uh, Lee, his sprint ain't that. So. Yeah, this is this is what continuation of the Lefebvre thing, Benji. Where I'm like, I'm looking at the team here. Yeah. You won the monument. You then probably extended him as a monument winner. That doesn't mean he's a monument winner. Exactly. Value wise, I agree. As in the repetitiveness of him winning a monument is not huge when it comes to stabbing. It's still a, a rare chance, which. He's a great he, rider. He's if got Mads great and results. him got made group one in Roubaix against isolated riders, it is possible. Yeah. Blanders, it to me, is impossible. Yeah. And so it's different. Monument winners are not built the same. If a guy goes to Tour of Flanders and drops everybody on the Koppenberg and rides away to win, that's replicable. He's a freak. Yeah. And you pay him the superstar money. But San Remo, like you said, Sir and Kra could have won. Or it, it's it's more of a lottery. Yeah. So and listen, agents and the riders should go ask for the most money possible based on, the, on sure. what they'll get paid. I'm not saying that's wrong, but then... And I also feel like Steven probably got the most out of his career when it comes to the victories he has. Winning Omlop, winning... He's got a nice was career, right? Yeah, w Winning Omlop. San Remo, winning a Vuelta stage. He was close at the Tour de France stage at some point. That's something he, he might still try to win, and I, think, I reckon it's not impossible to do that for Jasper Steven. But he's not... Well, who can we compare him to that he's not, for example? As in... Is he much better than what Nathan Van Hooydonk was that last year? Honestly. Not really. Like, 
And who the hell was sit down with Van Hooydonk and be like, why didn't you win a mon podium a monument this year? Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm, and that's not just being so. I'm saying Van Hooydonk last year was fucking good. I'm just saying like the Palmares really taints the previous wins, taint what people's perception should be of future yeah. wins. Uh, that being said, we've done a lot of defending Jasper Servan just then. He does say some things in this article, which I encourage you to read, where I'm like, they ask him point blank, do you see yourself and Mads in the same hierarchy in the classics? And he pretty much says, yeah. I'm like, well, nah. come on, man. Um, that ship has sailed. So The likelihood of Peterson winning is so much higher because there's so many different scenarios that Peterson can win in. Peterson can win in the scenario that Stavin can win he in. He can beat Van Aert and Laporte in a sprint. Exactly. The sprint is there. He also has the quality to, to just simply ride people out of his wheel in Paris Bay. That's not yeah. impossible. The likelihood of doing that to Van der Poel and Anwar van Aert is limited, but it's not impossible if someone has a bad day or something happens. And with Steven, I feel like he's the, he's the kind of rider that I see in that, that team as Peterson is the... Now they've got three riders, right? They've got Milan as the pure on like Henry Abelham sprint option behind. Peterson as the man that will try and get into grooves, but Steven is also one of the guys that goes into early moves, and I think Steven is a tactical play, as in, you put him in groups to put pressure on other people, and he can still win the race, potentially. Yeah. But it's just, I was curious to read that, that I was like, and listen, maybe, we don't know what happened on it, maybe he carries himself around the team like he's the superstar, and gets paid like a superstar, and wants to decide his schedule, and his program, and his training locations. And then they're like, hold on. Sorry, but you you scored, you know, like average, I don't know, 600 UCI points, 700 UCI points the last three years. Oh, I was wrong. Less, more than that. But you know what I mean? Like, mate, we don't know how he carries himself around the team. But uh, that was just interesting to hear. Uh, he's contracted through 20. Like, what next, Benji? They, you get Balcom Olimar in front of you in 2028 when he's 41 years old and say, why the fuck didn't you beat Poggy on Lombardi this year? <laughs> Well, to be fair, Molimel's contract is also one of those that, next to Fulsang, or like one of the worst in the sport at the moment to get away. We don't know the money about the Molimel one, but I'm guessing the Fulsang one, money-wise, has to be relatively high. Froome's obviously the... You can't beat the Froome contract. <laughs> but I rate Molimel pretty high in that. Yeah, Dylan Turns also not flying either. Um, at Premier Tech, so... Probably also not the highest paid, though. No, I don't think he got that uh, in 22, and he... Oh, he just won flesh, right? He just won flesh in 6th in Liège, 8th in France, 6th in Flanders. And Rick Verbrugge was like, come here, buddy. Um, anyway. Bonus, about, huh? That was an interesting interview. Go check it out uh, if you read Dutch uh, or have access to it on HLN. But, HLN, but we'll be back with the sprint stage. Tomorrow, Grand Camino TTs this afternoon. It's not counting for GC, so we don't care. Uh, Josh Tarling should win that. It's on road bikes, though, so it uh, all makes no sense to me. I know there's wind and rain conditions, but it's just very strange. Uh, what's, what's happening? I don't really know how to take that. But until tomorrow's stage, uh, ciao.